You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 23rd, 2016, the final day of Locked On Magic before Media Day takes place. Now, I'll I'll probably record an episode uh, Monday morning for you all for for your drives and, and handle Media Day on Tuesday, but... Monday is the official beginning of the Orlando Magic season. We have finally made it through this long offseason. I know everyone is ready to get going, and this podcast is all about getting you ready for Monday. Uh, we'll be talking, we'll be finishing up a, a bit of our player outlook series, at least the, the last important player. Sorry, Stephen Zimmerman and CJ Watson. Uh, the last important player will go today, uh, as we'll talk about Evan Fournier later on. And then I'll ask my five big questions. Heading into training camp, as we've as we've done throughout the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, I would advise everyone if you missed it throughout the week. It, I started Tuesday, but every episode's really good on Locked On Magic, right? Um, if you missed it throughout the week, I previewed all the position groups: the uh, point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, and post players throughout this past week. So go back into the archives on Locked On Magic. You can check it out at Audio Boom, iTunes, Stitcher and tune in radio, get all of our archives of all of our old episodes, relive all the glory days of the summer now that the NBA season is just about here, and subscribe to the podcast before the season begins. It's obviously a, a you know fantastic way to stay up on the team. I'll be covering the team uh, inside and out throughout the season, and uh, now we'll actually have something real to talk about, some actual, like, Hard data. I mean, it's it's crazy. Some some data to, to start answering some of these questions. For now, though, they are still mysteries. Before we get to that, though, I would again highly suggest you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Like I said, all the Locked On podcasts are all the Locked On NBA podcasts at least are doing uh, the the big questions, uh, training camp questions. Uh, they're big questions they have heading into training camp uh, today. So if you're curious about any of the teams. In the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, just go to Audio Boom or iTunes, search Locked On, insert the team you're interested in, and there will probably be a fantastic podcast there for you as well. I would also encourage you to check out the great NFL podcasts, including our pals at Locked On Jaguars with Ryan O'Halloran of uh, the uh, of the Jacksonville newspaper. I'm blanking on the name for some reason, uh, but Ryan does a great job covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know there's interest there with Blake Bortles, plus CBS forces you to watch them. Every Sunday. On his latest episode, he asked, is there a sense of urgency in the Jaguars locker room? A season of optimism for the Jacksonville Jaguars has kind of gotten off to a slow and rocky start at 0-2. A blowout loss at San Diego last week. Uh, Certainly not boating well for the Jaguars. We'll see if they can right the ship this weekend against the Baltimore Ravens uh, at Everbank Field up I-95 from Orlando. Today, though, we're, we're going to talk some big training camp questions. I do have one more plug, though. Uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, I kind of followed Fansided's lead and listed the definitive dunks of Orlando Magic history. Fansided, of course, did this did this great series. They got, they, they, they got a great panel. They solicited some advice uh, to, to find the best in-game dunks in NBA history. Really good list. I would highly suggest you check it out on Fansided.com. Our good pals at Fansided. Uh, Marquise Chris, Brent Barry... Uh, ben Golliver, some some great NBA luminaries were involved in this panel to name the best in-game dunks of all time. There was one magic dunk in there, and it was a nice dunk. It was a Tracy McGrady dunk over over Othella. Othella had everything. It didn't make my top 10 dunks in magic history. Uh, frankly, 
it wasn't a, an important dunk. I didn't even remember it, to be frank, as, as a Magic fan. Uh, and so I went out and made my list of the top 20 dunks in Orlando Magic history, both by impact and skill skill level involved in doing the dunk. I think, number one, probably going to be hard to argue. I mean, I, I think there may be some newbies that argue Dwight's game winner over the Spurs. That's that's number three. Uh, but number one, uh, I think, is, is pretty obvious. Uh, the most iconic dunk in Magic history coming from uh, one Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, so some good ones in there. Some great Tracy McGrady dunks. Some great Dwight Howard dunks. I snuck Pat Garrity in there in the top. I think I got him in the top ten. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give PG some love for that for that dunk, uh, as well as some uh, Steve Francis dunk gets in. Uh, some some a great look back at Orlando Magic history. If I forgot any dunks that you wanted to see included, let me know uh, on Twitter. Tweet me at omagicdaily. You can check out the full list of 20 over on orlandomagicdaily.com. And don't forget, the season might be starting, might be starting, but uh, we're still a little ways from some actual basketball. You might want to take a dip into the into the video vault, take a look at some Magic history. I've done a, some painstaking work to collect uh, as many Magic video, Magic games, and highlights as I can find on YouTube. Put them all in one place in the Orlando Magic Daily video vault. Go to orlandomagicdaily.com. Click on the Video Vault tab at the top of the screen uh, and enjoy the library uh, that I've collected. If you have any other Magic videos that you know of on on YouTube that I have not caught, uh, please let me know. I'm always looking to add to that list. I just added actually some highlights uh, today while I was doing the Dunk dunk, uh, article. But today's podcast is all about training camp. It's not about the past anymore. We're done talking Orlando Magic history at least for a while. We're done kind of espousing on on the rebuilds and and so on and so forth. This is the time of year we all get excited about. It is training camp time. Everyone's 0-0. Everyone has optimism. Everyone has goals that they want to and believe they can achieve. I can't tell you how many tweets I got from mentioning that Las Vegas had the magic at 36.5 wins saying, oh, that's low, I'm taking the over. Every fan base believes their team is getting the over. Even the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets believe they'll get more than 20 wins. I actually think they will. Um, But uh, everybody is optimistic this time of year. It is a beautiful time of year. But the Orlando Magic are certainly a team with a ton, a ton of questions heading into training camp. This isn't a team that's rebuilding anymore. This isn't a team that's painstakingly collected assets through the draft. This isn't a team that's going to be satisfied with growth. I got into so many arguments, especially early in the summer, even before, even like right after the time Scott Skiles resigned. Uh, and that's certainly a question that the Magic have to face this this year too. But I got so many kind of responses when I said the Magic had a good season. Yes, they didn't achieve their playoff goals. Uh, I was probably among not the most optimistic Magic, Magic people. Uh, I thought I was actually pretty optimistic at 35 wins, but... I had them at 35 wins. They hit 35 wins. A 10-win improvement, something that's happened four or five times, I believe, in Magic history. Something very, very rare to improve by 10 wins. And certainly a a statement that Scott Skiles made uh, during exit interviews at the end of the season before his resignation, obviously. He said, you know, it's a lot harder to get from 35 to 45 wins and then from 45 to 55 wins than it is to go from 25 to 35 wins. And that's certainly true. And I think the Magic are now in that next phase. And what what I took from last season, or why I always called last season a a success in many ways, 
is that they did take that important step to go from 25 to 35 wins. But the Magic were certainly not satisfied with it. It's been four years, the longest time the Magic have been out of the playoffs in franchise history, tied for. There's certainly pressure, and there's certainly urgency to make the playoffs once again. And so they undertook a very, very busy offseason. And we've talked about the players in turn. We've got one more player to go, which I'll talk about uh, at the end of this discussion of our training camp questions. They underwent this incredible process to change the team and change the roster. Started on draft night with the trading of Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka. It really started when they traded Tobias Harris for cap room. And, and no offense to Brandon Jennings and Arison Yasova, that's who the Magic were really trading for. They were trading for cap room. So they got their cap room, and what did they spend it on? Bismack Biombo, Jeff Green, DJ Augustin. They added more. They added some more salary when they acquired Jody Meeks. These are all veterans. These are all players who've been around the block. They've all experienced success to some degree within their careers. And on top of that, they added a new coaching staff with Frank Vogel at the lead. The Magic, as I've said throughout this entire offseason, have forced an identity onto this team. They're done trying to build things organically. They're done trying to build through the draft. They traded their draft pick, for crying out loud. They traded away the number two pick. The only time they actually got into the top three in the lottery. They traded that player away. And so... The Magic are trying to achieve something very, very, very different. And I think that means you have to ask a very specific question about each player on the team and whether they can fulfill that role. Because whether the Magic like to admit this or not, it's probably a make-or-break season for—it's certainly, I feel like, a make-or-break season for Rob Hedigan. I think there are some conditions that if the Magic miss the playoffs, that, that his job will be okay. But certainly if they win, you know, I— I'm a little more pessimistic on this team. If they win 38 games, you know, it it's going to be hard to justify keeping Rob Hennigan around. Again, this team is determined to make the playoffs, and they've got to show very clear and very steady progress this year. It's no more kind of platitudes, no more like slow progression. Getting from 35 to 40 wins is probably what they need to do at minimum. They probably need to do a little bit more, and... There are just a lot of questions about this roster that that certainly make betters, certainly make national prognosticators, and make me a little hesitant to pull the trigger and completely buy in that this team will achieve their goals sitting here in, uh, in September. Obviously, things are going to change with how these questions get answered. So here are my five big training camp questions that I want to see, or big, yeah, big questions that we need to be that need to be answered pretty much immediately for the Magic. Frank Vogel is obviously a defensive coach, and I think defense is going to be the key very, very early on this season. Um, you know, I was at this this coach's clinic, and, and you know, it was interesting to hear the coaches talk about their philosophies a little bit, and defense is, you know, going to be a given with Frank Vogel. He's really going to preach defense. Um, it's something that he feels, I think he feels extremely confident that he's going to be able to get the team to, to play at a high level. The offense is what makes him lose sleep because that's the formula that he can't quite, that he's never really been able to crack in his in his coaching career. But defense has always been a constant. And this team is very different defensively than any team Frank Vogel's coached before. So 
the big question is I think the big question that we've asked this week multiple times, that we've asked multiple times throughout the summer, how does this front court sort itself out? And when we say how does this front court sort sort itself out, it's really saying can Nikola Vucevic fit this new defensive mentality and what the Magic are trying to do. It's no secret, and I talked about it yesterday. I talked about it on yesterday's show or uh, the show from two days ago that Nikola Vucevic has not had a good defensive track record. He's probably a better defensive player than people give him credit for, but at the end of the day, he's a center that does not strike fear in people's hearts when they come into the paint. And as I've said time and time again, the Magic are going to base themselves on defense this year. And that means they've got to be an elite defense to make the playoffs. And so, the again, the question is, can the Magic be an elite defense with Nikola Vucevic as their center? Having Serge Ibaka is going to help tremendously. Having Bismack Biombo off the bench is going to help that defense tremendously. But at the end of the day, the Magic are probably going to start Nikola Vucevic because they need his offense, and they're probably going to rely on him for somewhere somewhere around 30 minutes per game, 30-plus minutes per game, perhaps. And for those 30 minutes, for the majority of the game, he needs to be, he needs to be playing defense better than he's played it at any point in his career, certainly better than he has in his Magic career. Giving up 54% field goal shooting at the rim, no matter the excuse, just cannot happen with this team. Frank Vogel has said time has said when asked about Vucevic's defense that he believes he can teach Vucevic uh, positioning and, and defensive uh, anticipation to to improve that number. And certainly, I think the Magic have to try it, and I think they should try it. But at the end of the day, it's going to be up to Vucevic. Is he willing to show on a screen? Is he willing to dig? Is he willing to 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 dig down and rotate to the guy? Does he trust the players behind him to cover his back? And I think that's the big part where Serge Ibaka is going to help more than anything else. Ibaka is going to be there to cover his back. And Vucevic has never really had that. The only time he may have had that was when he was starting with Dwayne Dedman. And those teams' defenses were fantastic. When, when Vucevic and Dedman were on the floor together, they were fantastic. Where that group struggled was on the offensive end, where Dedman just couldn't do anything offensively, and why Vucevic and Ibaka are going to be kind of tied at the hip for a lot of their minutes. Because I, I don't think a vucevic Biombo pairing is going to do very much for this team unless Vucevic can, can step out and shoot threes again. It's really going to be one of the big questions positionally for the Magic because obviously Biombo's got the contract issue, but Vucevic is still the starter, and he's got to prove he can play defense. So now I guess the next question you got to turn to is, can Serge Ibaka recapture that defensive attitude that he had for so long? Remember, this is a player who was an all-defensive first-teamer for three years. And his defensive numbers have precipitous, precipitously slipped. Some people believe it's lingering effects from a knee injury that he that he suffered a few years ago. Some people believe it's, it's kind of the changing role in the NBA. There are more stretch fours. He's not planted in the paint as much. He's always played with a traditional center. But now he's not in the paint as much because he's got to defend guys out on the perimeter. Some people believe it's just the emergence of Steven Adams. Steven Adams was just a much better defender than Kendrick Perkins. Uh, and Ibaka's need was much less. Regardless of any of that, 
Ibaka can still experience a defensive renaissance because he is still a really good defensive player. Look at what he did for the Oklahoma City Thunder in the in the Western Conference Finals and the Western Conference Playoffs. His ability to cover a pick and roll from that spot with his length and athleticism blew up a lot of what the Warriors and a lot of what the Spurs were trying to do. The two, probably two of the three or four or five, two of the, certainly, let's just leave it at this, two of the top 10 regular season teams in NBA history struggled in the playoffs because Serge Ibaka, you know, raised his antenna and, and worked a little bit. Of course, one of the theories for why Ibaka's defensive numbers have slipped is dissatisfaction with his offensive role. And so the question for Serge Ibaka now is, not only can he have a defensive renaissance, can he deliver more on the offensive end? Is he more than a spot-up shooter? Can the Magic dump the ball to him in the post and let him go to work? He's never done that in his career. And like I kind of discovered a few days ago, his usage rate may not go up as much as, I, as, as people think it might. He might get a few more opportunities. He might creep closer to 20%, but he might still be using 18% of possessions. Can he make the most of those possessions? And more importantly, can he be satisfied with that opportunity? It's a contract year for Ibaka, obviously, and he's got a lot of work ahead of him to have the success that he needs to have. The next big question that I have then is where will the offense come from on this team? Obviously, the, the, the this is not going to be a, a strong offensive team. They don't have a great, uh, great one-on-one player. They're going to have to rely a lot on player movement, a lot on ball movement. Uh, very similar to the way it was last year. What concerns me most, though, is that this team doesn't have a, a guy who can break the defense down like Victor Oladipo could or like Tobias Harris could. Maybe Alfred Payton can do that, but he's not much of a threat to shoot, and that's going to compact the paint if he gets if he gets into the paint. They're going to kind of let him operate in the mid-range. So other guys are going to have to step up and fill this role. And not only that, the Magic are going to need some shooters, especially in that starting lineup. Evan Fournier right now is really the only true three-point shooter. Serge Ibaka can hit some threes. Nikola Vucevic is supposed to have been working on his three-point shot. Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton defenses are going to ignore uh, until you know uh, until further notice. This is a team that's going to have to really work itself uh, on the offensive end, and really is going to have some moments where they really struggle to, to score consistently. Again, a big reason why defense is going to be so important. The Magic are going to have to keep some scores low, and they're going to have to get some transition to succeed. Having said that, they do have some interesting pieces, and they do have, I think, one piece. That's going to be very, very interesting to see how he develops this season. And that piece, of course, is Aaron Gordon. For most of Aaron Gordon's short two-year career so far, he split time between small forward and power forward. Roughly, last year it was 60-40, according to basketball reference, playing power forward over small forward. Most people in the NBA peg him as a power forward in this kind of smaller run-and-gun version of the NBA. Uh, he has good size for a power forward. He can, he should be able to muscle up with, with some of the bigger forwards, and he's got the quickness to stay with them on the perimeter. Not only that, on the offensive end, he can. that's where he can use his ball handling to get by the slower defenders uh, and get to the basket a little bit easier. Without his three-point shooting, it's t- it, was, it was tough to see him at the three. But now that the Magic have brought Serge Ibaka in, and judging by how Frank Vogel talks about and how Aaron Gordon's talked about how Frank Vogel envisions him playing, He's going to be a small forward. There's no getting around it this time. 
He's going to play a lot of small forward. He's probably going to start at small forward this year. And so the big question with Aaron Gordon, with a player so raw, so athletic, like Aaron Gordon, is can he, you know, can he make the big leap that we all think he can make? We saw what he did between the end of his rookie season and the beginning of Summer League. If Aaron Gordon is is that Summer League Aaron Gordon, he can play small forward. Yes, it's Summer League. Yes, you know, a lot of those stats don't matter. He was clearly the best player that at that Summer League last year. And what he was doing was pull-up threes, step-back threes, drive, you know, driving from the perimeter, really attacking. And of course, that jaw injury derailed a lot of derailed a lot of things. And so, coming back now after a healthy summer, what kind of improvements has Aaron Gordon made? Has he taken a big step forward in his career? Can he become that fourth pick in that stellar draft that featured Andrew Wiggins, featured Jabari Parker, and Joel Embiid? Can he really become the fourth pick in that draft? And, and, and you know, knock on the door of superstardom. He has the potential. I mean, he's a tabula rasa, really. And he's kind of bounced around a lot, and now he needs to, you know, kind of focus in and get his, you know, you know define himself. And the Magic are going to define him, too. He's a great perimeter defender already. There's no question is questioning his defensive bona fides and, and potential. Offensively, he's got to provide something. And he may need to become the Magic's, you know, go-to guy in some way. Someone who can mix things up and cause matchup problems and cause defenses to collapse and pay attention. Aaron, you know, Aaron Gordon's a really unselfish guy. He's a really, really hard worker. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like when the Magic start playing for real. Because I think he could take a big leap this year. And the Magic, frankly, need him to. And it needs to be on the perimeter. It needs to be with the shooting as much as anything. Because Aaron Gordon's not playing the four anymore. He's going to be out on the perimeter. He's going to be standing out on the three-point line, and he needs to be a threat. A threat to drive and a threat to shoot. Uh, and obviously, the Magic have invested a lot in him for that purpose. And so my final question will get us to our big player outlook for the day. You can check out the article on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as the rest of our player outlook series I'll be posting a, a summary of those before Media Day on Monday as well. And that is, can Evan Fournier repeat the season that he had last year? It was a true breakout season for Evan Fournier. Um, the Magic didn't really get a good look at him. His first year in Orlando, he was injured. But when he was in the game, he was clearly the Magic were clearly a better team with him. Uh, he just facilitates really, really well. He fills in gaps. And I, and I like players who fill in gaps. I, I like those guys. Every team needs a glue guy like that. Um, Fournier could really do it all. Need him to drive, you need him to drive, run a pick and roll, he can do that and do it efficiently. Need him to take a spot-up shot, be a, be a floor spacer and three-point shooter, he could do that. He reminds me a lot of Nick Anderson, actually. Nick Anderson was very, very much like that. Now, without the post game, Nick Anderson was a much better post player uh, you know, one of the first kind of two threes that that took smaller guards into the post. Uh, but Nick Anderson had that ability to just kind of fill in gaps. You know, he was a big scorer on bad teams, and, and Fournier can do that at times. But when the 95 team came along, Nick Anderson became a great spot-up shooter. 
uh, occasionally a big score when the team needed it. As defenses rotated and, and paid attention to other guys, he attacked those gaps, attacked the rotating defense, made the right play. That's Evan Fournier to me. Uh, and, and it's, in, you know, it's, it's, it feels like that's a very comfortable and natural comparison to me, to be honest. At least for their style of plays. Maybe Nick was a little more athletic. He was certainly a little bigger, um, probably a better defender overall. But Fournier isn't going to make mistakes. And that's really, really important. He, he does whatever the defense gives him and doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't force things. But the Magic just may need more from him. And what really concerns me about Evan Fournier and whether he can repeat what he did last season is that Victor Oladipo is not there anymore. You know, I spent a lot of the last half of last season saying, you know, the Magic are making an Oladipo or Fournier decision this summer. And it was kind of a false dichotomy because the Magic could have kept both and said, you know, we'll re-sign Fournier, we'll match Fournier and figure it out later. We can, we can kick this can down the road. But at the end of the day, it really didn't feel like Evan Fournier was best at the shooting guard position or at the small forward position, which is where he was playing. He's just not big and strong enough to do it. Um, but every time he played at the two without Oladipo, his offensive numbers tanked. He was better for having Victor Oladipo on the floor with him. Because Victor Oladipo is a guy that that attacked and crashed the paint. Fournier is not an isolation player. He's not going to create shots for himself or others from a standstill position. He's not going to be able to out-dribble anybody. What he is, again, really good at is attacking defenses that are in rotation, defenses that are caught just a little bit off balance by the work someone else does or by a ball reversal. And that's something that I think he might miss with Victor Oladipo. The Magic don't have a lot of perimeter options right now. Alfred Payton is Alfred Payton. I think he'll get into the paint, but he's doing it to pass. Aaron Gordon is is a big mystery. Um, if Aaron Gordon is what he is last year, certainly the Magic don't have a consistent guy who can get into the paint looking to score and causing defenses to collapse to free up a guy like Fournier or to free up a guy like Gordon to attack. If they're relying on Fournier to break down the defense on his own off the dribble, the Magic are in trouble because I don't think that's who Evan Fournier is. The Magic certainly need Evan Fournier to improve on what he produced last year, and he was up up near, what, 16, 17, 18 points per game last year. They need him to match that again. If he can do that, the Magic could be in really, really good shape because, like I said, I, I do think they improved, and I think their defense significantly improved as well. Fournier is an is a, is a average defender, does a good, you know, does, again, player's not going to make mistakes. And I think that's the most important thing to come from from a player like Fournier. But if Fournier regresses a little bit to his mean, as his numbers fall off, or his numbers look like they did when when, Olad- when he wasn't on the floor with Oladipo last year, the Magic don't have a chance at making the playoffs because they need perimeter scoring. And right now, Evan Fournier is the only perimeter scorer in the lineup. That can change with what Aaron Gordon does. That can change with what Alfred Payton does. But Evan Fournier right now is the guy for the Magic. And he's got to prove that all over again. The Magic have put a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in him. Uh, And whether he can deliver, that is going to be a huge question for the Orlando Magic this year. And so those are my five big questions heading into training camp. Of course, we'll be asking them directly to the players and coaches on Monday at the Amway Center because 
BD Day is here. Training camp is here. The NBA season is here. Thank goodness for that. So sit down on your couches for one last NFL Sunday before League Pass cranks back up because the NBA season is finally here. We can finally get back to some basketball, and we are so, so excited. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast throughout the season. Tell your friends. Leave a five-star review on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Just search Locked On Magic. You can also find the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching Locked On, your favorite team name or whatever team name you're looking for. Remember to check out Locked On Jaguars. Ryan O'Halloran does a very, very good job covering the Jaguars. Uh, local team, you know, quasi-local team, I guess, here in Orlando. CBS forces us to watch them, uh, but... Supposed to be pretty good this year. A little disappointed uh, by their 0-2 start, but we'll see if they can right the ship this Sunday. So be sure to follow Locked On Jaguars for that. You can also follow Locked On Buccaneers and Locked On Dolphins. I believe it's Locked On Bucks if you're searching for Locked On, or if you're searching for the Locked On podcast on the Buccaneers. Uh, be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. On Monday, we basketball. This has been Philip Rossenreich of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.